welcome to the History and Philosophy of Physics podcast. I'm Tegan Phillips. This is a special bonus episode. So if you listened to the last short little promo episode, or if you've checked out the website, or if you happen to be one of my friends and family who listened to the podcast, then you know that I am also currently running a club called the UBC Young Women for STEM and that my club recently held a conference on gender equity and STEM, a virtual conference, of course. So this is a recording of the talk that I gave at that conference, or actually, technically, it's a re-recording. I was kind of limited for time with the original recording, uh, so while I did try and record it, I realized later, for those of you who are listening just on audio, that I sometimes just mention things that are in the slides uh, without actually uh, going through them, and so that's not a problem, of course, if you're watching on video and you're able to see the slides, but I thought I should go back and re-record a slightly longer version where I just take a bit more time to actually go through and read out what all the information that I have on the slide so that you get all of the same information and I'm not just saying, and I have all of these things listed here and then move on. Uh, the other thing is that because the conference was on Zoom and I was just recording it, uh, what I could see on my screen, I wasn't able to see myself, um, the little video of me up at the top of the screen, which if you're watching on video, you should be able to see. Uh, hi. And uh, if you're not, then of course you can't see me anyway, but that's okay because that's the nature of an audio podcast. But the point was that the version that I originally recorded uh, didn't have my little video. It just had a, the little box saying talking. So I thought it might be nice if you could actually see me talking and not just have uh, the PowerPoint slides with a little box that said talking. Uh, as I mentioned, this talk was originally given on November 14th, 2020. It was actually originally planned uh, to be given on March 14th, 2020, but then the conference, uh, which was originally going to be held in person on that date, got postponed uh, because COVID was starting to become an issue. So most of this research I did last year, but it's all still fairly applicable. I did update it with the recent Nobel Prize winners for 2020, so you'll have the up-to-date stats at least as of uh, late 2020. If you're watching this later on after the next Nobel Prize winners are announced, which won't be until October uh, probably of 2021, uh, then these stats will be slightly out of date, uh, probably, uh, some of them. Um, but otherwise, uh, hopefully, it will still be more or less applicable, and you'll still be able to get some of the general trends and some good information. A brief outline of my talk. I'll start with some basic facts about the Nobel Prizes, just to give a bit of background. And then I'll discuss some statistics about Nobel laureates and focus in particular on STEM laureates. And then talk about some, of, some potential reasons for why there are disparities and some actions being taken to try and address these disparities uh, when it comes to gender in particular. 
And finally, I'll conclude with some other ideas for what else can potentially be done to improve the diversity of STEM Nobel laureates. All right, so starting with basic facts of Nobel Prizes. The Nobel Prizes are annual international awards given in recognition of academic, cultural, or scientific advances. They're named after Alfred Nobel, who was a Swedish chemist, engineer, and inventor, and he lived from 1833 to 1896. Alfred Nobel was known for manufacturing assorted weapons and inventing dynamite and ballistite, which is a precursor to many smokeless military explosives. In 1888, a French newspaper published Nobel's obituary entitled The Merchant of Death is Dead. Nobel read it because it was actually his brother, Ludwig, who had died, and the newspaper mistakenly thought it was Alfred. This apparently made him concerned about his legacy. Quite understandably, he didn't wish to be known as the Merchant of Death. So Alfred Nobel changed his will. He dedicated 94% of his fortune, 31 million Swedish krona, equivalent to about $250 million Canadian today, and his executors set up the Nobel Foundation to manage the money and prizes. Alfred Nobel willed that his fortune be used to create the Nobel Prizes for those who confer the greatest benefit on mankind in physics, chemistry, physiology or medicine, literature, and peace. The first prizes were given out in 1901, and the prize in economics was actually first awarded in 1969. This is because the Nobel Prize for Economics, which is officially known as the Sveriges Prize in Economic Sciences in Memory of Alfred Nobel, it's a bit of a mouthful, it was not part of the original request. It is based on a donation from Sweden's central bank, which was made in 1968. There are different institutions which award the different prizes, and so the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences awards the Nobel Prizes in Chemistry and Physics, as well as the Prize in Economics. The Nobel Assembly at the Karolinska Institute awards the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine. The Swedish Academy awards the Nobel Prize in Literature, and the Norwegian Nobel Committee awards the Nobel Peace Prize. Candidates for Nobel Prizes must be nominated, and you can't nominate yourself. Nomination forms are sent to about 3,000 individuals, usually top academics in the fields for which there are Nobel Prizes, and they're sent out a year before the awarding of the prizes. These forms are due January 31st of the year of the award, and the Nobel Committee uses them to nominate about 300 potential laureates. The committee then prepares a report for each awarding institution that is sent with the list of candidates, and the institutes choose the laureates by a majority vote. An important thing to note is that nomination records are sealed for 50 years after the prize is awarded. So today, we can only know people who have been nominated up until 1970. Winners are announced annually, usually in early October. Nobel Prizes are not awarded posthumously, so they're not awarded if the recipient is known to have died by the time of the award announcement. 
There was one laureate who died three days prior to the prize announcement, and the Nobel Committee decided to award it to him regardless because they were unaware of his death at the time of announcement. This was the 2011 prize in physiology or medicine, which was given to Ralph Steinman. One prize can be given out in each category each year, but it can be shared by up to three individuals, and the Nobel Peace Prize can be awarded to organizations. The current prizes are worth 9 million Swedish krona, or about $1.2 million Canadian. Recipients receive a gold medal, a diploma, and they also get to sign their name in a book with all the past Nobel Prize winner signatures, which must be a really neat experience. Now, some statistics. There have been 930 individuals awarded a Nobel Prize since they began in 1901. Four people have won two Nobel Prizes, and Marie Curie is the only woman to have won twice. She received the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1903 and then the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 1911. 28 organizations have won the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, 25 of those were unique, so a few won multiple times. And of those 930 individual laureates, there have been 57 female laureates, or about 6%. There have also been seven laureates who we would today consider to be part of the LGBT plus community. Six received prizes for literature, and one received the Nobel Peace Prize. And I have a little note uh, that at least uh, these are people who we know of today. Many people kept their orientation private, and it was only revealed in journals or by close friends after the laureate's death. They make up only 0.8% of Nobel laureates. It's uncertain how many people worldwide are part of the LGBT plus community. Even today, members of this community face discrimination, exclusion from their other communities, an increased risk of abuse and violence, and legal punishments in some places, and so many have to keep this part of themselves a secret. Studies estimate that those with identities within the LGBT plus community make up between 3% and 10% of the total population. While members of the LGBT plus community constitute a relatively small percentage of STEM researchers, there has so far been no members of this community known to have won a Nobel Prize. For the science Nobels, I considered the prizes awarded in physics, chemistry, and physiology or medicine. To date, there have been 624 prizes given out to 621 individual laureates. Of these 624 prizes, only 23 have gone to women, and there have been only 22 individual female laureates out of 621. As I mentioned, Marie Curie has won twice. So women make up only about 3.5% of science Nobel laureates, even though it's estimated that about 30% of STEM researchers worldwide are women. When Donna Strickland won the Nobel Prize in Physics in 2018, she was the first woman to win that prize in 55 years, and only the third female physics laureate ever. 
As many of you probably know, the fourth physics Nobel awarded to a woman was given this year to Andrea Gaez. This year also saw the Nobel Prize in Chemistry go jointly to two women, Emmanuelle Charpentier and Jennifer Doudna. So women were three out of the eight science Nobel Prize recipients in 2020, which is hopefully a good sign for the future. My main focus for the rest of this talk will be on gender, but there is also evidently a lack of diversity and representation in terms of sexual orientation and identity. A lack of racial diversity and representation has also been documented, but that's outside the scope of this short talk. Now, some of the common reasons given for the disparities when it comes to gender among Nobel Prizes, especially among STEM Nobel Prizes, is first and foremost that there's just a lack of women in STEM. But as I mentioned, uh, studies estimate that 30% of STEM researchers are female, whereas only 3.5% of laureates so far have been. There's also a small percentage of women being nominated. And according to members of the Swedish Academy of Sciences, which awards the prizes in physics, chemistry, and economics, nominations today reflect the demographics of researchers two or three decades ago because many of the achievements being recognized today are from work originally done years ago, when there was even less women in STEM. However, a study published in 2018 showed that even accounting for the historical dearth of women in scientific research, they are still underrepresented among Nobel Prize laureates, and there is a 95% probability of there being a bias against women when it comes to nominations. Some studies also suggest that while women have been winning more awards in general recently, they tend to be for teaching rather than for research, and these awards often pay less and aren't as prestigious. Now, some of the actions that are being taken to address the disparity. In 2018, the Swedish Academy of Sciences introduced some new policies to try and improve the diversity of nominees. So they asked more women to nominate candidates. They also altered wording in their call for nominations to explicitly ask nominators to consider diversity in gender, geography, and topic. According to the Secretary General of the Academy, Göran Hansen, there is a small positive trend of more women being nominated in recent years, but apparently women are no more likely to nominate women than men are and the Academy hasn't yet seen a statistically significant difference result yet from these nomination measures. But those comments were made in an interview in late 2019, so that was basically based on only one or two nomination cycles. So hopefully in a couple of years, they'll have some more reliable measures, and hopefully we'll be able to see a statistically significant difference. In 2018, they also elected more women than men to the Academy for the first time in history. And though all the 2019 Nobels for Sciences went to men, three out of the eight awarded in 2020 went to women, as I mentioned, and all three of those were awarded by the Swedish Academy of Sciences. Regarding ethnicity, the Academy has seen a recent rise in nominees from East Asia, especially Japan, as these countries invest more in scientific research. 
This is why one of the things that can improve diversity is to fund scientific research in a more diverse range of countries. Now, when it comes to quotas, so for example, instituting a quota that the Nobel Committee has to propose a certain number of potential female laureates out of the 300 that they recommend, Alfred Nobel explicitly stated in his will that nationality should not be considered in the awarding of these prizes. It was meant to allow non-Swedish people to win, but the Nobel Committee has also used this as the basis for not introducing any quotas for nationality, ethnicity, or gender. The goal is simply to award the worthiest recipients each year. A lack of diversity among Nobel laureates is representative of the bigger problem of a lack of diversity in STEM fields and among top academics. So many of these suggestions tie into the more general picture of trying to get more people of diverse backgrounds into STEM and improving policies so that more have longer careers in STEM. So these include things like making changes in schools and universities to create better environments for women and for people of other diverse backgrounds, allowing equal opportunities throughout academic careers, having better policies around maternal and paternal leave within academia, and fighting biased beliefs like success in research requires innate genius. It's particularly important to have diversity among Nobel laureates because these are people we look to as role models. Many young scientists aspire to one day win a Nobel Prize. Hopefully, increasing diversity will give many more young people the confidence and inspiration to pursue scientific careers and further scientific research. Thank you all for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this talk. I will be back later in December with the next regular podcast episode on the Adamus. So I hope that you will join me for that. And in the meantime, I hope that you all take care and stay safe.